what happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. Everybody's to Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy. And today we're talking about a non canon film. This one, the 1974 horror classic, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, directed by Toby Hooper. Mm-hmm. And written by Toby Hooper and his writing partner, Kim Henkel. Yeah, this was his breakout film way back in the 70s. 1974, to be exact. Yep, that's what I said. So, Randy, um, you might. What do you think this is going to be a complicated film to describe the plot of? I don't know. Why don't you try? Okay, let's see. What is it? What was the what was the story? Five teenagers go to a abandoned farmhouse to check on an old childhood uh, location, and they meet a gr- group of um, psychopathic killers and are killed off one by one. Spoilers cannibalistic killers oh, cannibalistic i almost forgot about that yes and it's a also a pretty short film it's not even an hour and a half long so yeah it's it's a very short uh, flick by all things <laughs> uh, considered and it's mostly casted with at the time um unknowns uh, specifically from texas there's about eight people total in this movie yeah it is the five teenagers the three family members actually, and... actually yeah there's nine and, and grandpa yeah, and then the random passerbys at the end who just... So, so we might top out at about 11 people total. Total. But no, uh, they didn't all have speaking roles, though. And one very young John Larroquette apparently doing the intro uh, introduction, introductory yeah. prologue thingy. Yeah, the introduction narration, which tries to present it as more of a, a true crime sort of story because it's loosely based on serial killers from the 70s. It's So it should be noted that the movie literally begins off with a um, narration just telling you that this is based on a true story, mm-hmm. which is actually a straight-out lie. But it is things. based on certain truths. Mm-hmm. It's specifically based on some of the habits of serial killer. I put him in air quotes because he's only had two reported uh, kills. Mm-hmm. Uh, who you would eat his victims? Ed Gain. Ed Gain, and they, and one other one um, who mm-hmm. used to gather people up for an older uh, gentleman to kill by the name of Elmer Wayne Henley. Uh, so it is based on the lives or the habits of serial killers. Yeah, and if you know much about 1970s, you know that there was a big obsession with serial killers at the time. A lot of it spurred on by the Zodiac Killer. And several other people like Ed Gain, who they found. And then there was also older reports like Charles Starkweather. If you've ever read or seen anything from the 1970s, chances are you've seen them referenced at least multiple times. Because serial killers were a very big... Uh, they were a very big... I don't want to say cult following because it kind of implies there was kind uh, of a craze around it because it it was around the same time that the science was starting to catch up with it Uh, an interesting thing to take a look at just Mm -hmm. like unrelated to this is netflix did a series called mind hunters which was based on the very inception of people hunting serial killers and realization of the word serial killers yeah because in the 80s um it was kind of shifted more towards 
kidnapping and stuff like that. Sequence killing is what they had initially called yeah. it. Yeah, and by the 90s when they finally got um, a hold on forensics, the whole game sort of changed and they were caught a lot easier. In fact, they're still catching uh, serial killers now. Just but, this year they caught the East Area Rapist, also known as the... I think it was called a Vansalia Ransacker at one point. Yes, he, I believe he was, that's the he case. was lost. He, he they couldn't find him since 1989. I think was the last reported, and they just recently found him. So, basically, this is a type of thing that could only really have existed in the 1970s. This type yeah. of movie. Yeah, that digression. It's like it's a lot. There's a lot of interesting stuff around serial killers, but we digress. Yeah. So with that, with our basic uh, plot background and background thing. and all that. What did you think of this film? Um, it's not really a slasher film. Uh, that's one of the things I noted when I was watching it because of the way it's set up. This one was trying because slasher movies didn't exist at the time. I think I'm going to interrupt you slightly there or just to elaborate further. I think it's more like the way Halloween is where it's a progenitor of the slasher genre, but it's not quite there yet. No, this is trying to be more of a general like, is this uh, is this a real thing that happened to people? Sort of. It's trying to be scary in a different sort of way. It's not because there's no real blood in this film. That's kind of a spoiler, I guess. But it is pretty terrifying because of the way people are killed. And it's all implied and pretty much shown. Yeah, Toby Hooper had made a kind of a mistake. He was aiming for a PG rating and he thought, well, as long as I don't show the actual violence, as long as I don't mm -hmm. have a lot of blood, not that much gore on screen, we can squeak by with a PG rating. And then when he sent it to the MPAA, uh, they came back and they went, uh, this is mm -hmm. an X-rated film. Yeah. And then he contested it, and they said, no, he cut out four minutes. And they said, okay, this four minutes makes it into an R-rated film. Yeah. And then when it went back into theaters, he put in the last four minutes back in. Or or some some places put back in that last four minutes. Yeah, most of the the horror element comes from the way it's directed. It's it's very... The way he had he shoots scenes and the way things lead up to other things, it very, 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 very well... I can't think of a better word for that right now. But he ratchets up, ratchets up the tension very well. Toby Hooper is a very competent director. Yeah, one of the things I noticed by the movies we've watched is he's very good at uh, of framing suspense and he doesn't seem to rely on gore as much as you would expect for a director like that. I just came up to the realization that this season, uh, the Cannon Cruisers, mm -hmm. will have watched both his first big one mm -hmm. and then the one that essentially killed his career. Yeah, that's coming up next short spoiler but we usually do the do these episodes like this if somebody directs a sequel for canon that the original wasn't for canon we go back and watch the original just to you know either refresh or to catch up yeah because we had got to see him do life force last season yep. and we and this season we'll be, we watched or will be watching uh invaders from mars as well as texas chainsaw massacre 2 and this one I, I believe texas chainsaw massacre 2 and invaders from mars came out in the same month both directed by the same guy released by the same studio yeah it was a very very bizarre situation probably didn't help either film honestly because you're supposed to space out releases like that but uh yeah and the other one he did which we haven't covered was poltergeist which is probably his most popular film which we'll have to sneak in there somewhere because i've actually never seen that film mm. and i feel like that with all the toby hooper i have seen so far now might that have. i have to see it you might as well slide that one in at some point but that's for another thing so what are your impressions of this this film, Randy? Overall, decent. I was surprised by the the complete lack of blood, the the lack of overall gore. There's a little bit here and there. And I can see why people think this movie is so terrifying. Mm -hmm. But at the same way, I go, maybe I'm just desensitized in this age that... Well, that you the, see gore all the time. That's it. I'm movies. not a gore hound. I'm not... 
I think it's I like saw not... the remake of this movie a long time ago, and I'm pretty sure there was on-screen gore at the time, which yeah, I've se- I've seen help. things on modern television, modern <laughs> network television that yeah, have been that shows. are gorier than 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 the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Does that detract from it? No, like the NCISs and the C- yeah. CSIs and that. It doesn't detract from it. As I said, I thought the the acting was fairly fairly well done. I thought the directing was fairly well done. Mm-hmm. I thought the script was fairly well done. Pretty good. But for it's, 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 it's it's one of those movies that it's just not really my cup of tea. I'm not a big horror person, but I, I but I did think that this one was very well done overall, and I can see yeah. why it was very influential uh, to uh, movies that came after. Yeah, like I said, this and Halloween almost certainly is what led into the whole slasher craze of the 80s, which, I don't know, I think kind of missed the point of these types of films in the first place. It, it was really like kind of, I feel, the first horror movie that had uh, something to say, like like subtextually, like under the surface was saying something. Mm-hmm. Like about the, I know, I know explicitly he got, he went on about how we were seeing atrocities in Vietnam at the time and they were showing it on television and that's why that's why the movie is so violent in many ways. Is, is a reaction to that. Yeah. Um, the his his little lead off with based on a true story is his reaction to the mm-hmm. lies that he was actively seeing on television, and then the whole thing, the fascination with serial killers that was coming on at the time. So it was yeah. kind of a perfect storm of things from the time period that led to this movie. So it makes makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, as a whole, though, I would say if you're a fan of slasher films, just like slashers like Friday the 13th or anything like that, I, I think you should probably give this one a go because it's it's where most of this stuff came from. And to be honest, it's better than pretty much every film in that series. Uh, and most of them, honestly, even like the Halloween sequels. So I will honestly say I prefer Halloween as a slasher to oh, this. Oh, Halloween, the original Halloween is definitely a better movie overall, but... This one is probably second best in that style of uh, genre, I would and, say. And Scream 2 is the third best. Oh, Scream. Scream is a whole other thing. But yeah, uh, I can't... I can't. It's hard to do uh, lowlights and highlights for these types of movies because they all pretty much have the same... I'll, I'll, I'll do my lowlight for this one. It's, it's a common refrain. Everybody shout it out with me. Mm-hmm. 70s pacing. Yeah, it takes a while for it to get going. No, it's like there's a there's a tension going on there, mm-hmm. but the it, it, there's so much shots of them just driving around in their van for roughly the first thirty minutes of the film of just the group of teens driving around in their van, I can getting see to why. where they're yet, and there's reasons for it because they pick up the hitchhiker. You get an idea of what their relationships are. The movie would only be an hour long without, and yeah, but that part makes it feel like there's a little bit more filler. And then once they get to the farmhouse and things start happening. Things start happening fast, and it's like, okay, it's the tighter pacing of the end. It's just... One thing I would say about this, and it would go into highlights because you basically just said the low light, would be that I think this movie still has something, just like the original Halloween does, that modern horror movies really should learn from, and then that's how to build tension, because none of them know how to do it anymore. There's just... If you've ever seen... I'm not sure I've said this before, but the Rob Zombie Halloween movie, where one of the kills is nothing more than uh, Michael Myers grabbing of his victim's head and slamming it into a car door until it turns into basically mush which that's, you can see by watching season one of daredevil on netflix that's just gratuitous in something like daredevil it gets across that this guy is unstable in a horror movie it just gets across that yeah he kills people we already know he kills people it doesn't do anything 
in a movie like Halloween, the original movie, you never saw him kill anybody till almost near the end of the movie. So you didn't know what he was going to do, when he was going to do it, or how he was going to do it. And every time he appeared in a new scene or a new area, you were just, wait, what's going on? What's he doing over there? And it throws you off because you don't know where this movie is going. And in this movie, it's the same sort of thing. About half an hour in, you don't really know what is going to happen or when it's going to happen. Because they have to establish setting, they have to establish mood. And even when the first person kills, it's, whoa, when did that happen? And then the next one, he slowly builds up again. It's not like, kill, 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 and there's the end credits. They have, the only, there's five people in the movie, four people die. And it's an hour, and a, almost an hour and a half long. Yes, it's the same people, thing with the original There Halloween. is the final girl trope. Yeah, this is where, this is where it came from. Yeah, pretty much. But like I said, no horror movie does that anymore. If you've ever seen something like Saw or whatever, it's just murder after grisly murder. How is the worst way we can do it? There's no tension. It's, it just goes straight for the next thing. And I think that's something this movie still has, I think, that you would get that you wouldn't get from a newer movie. And especially if they remade it again. It's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress slightly here because like, you were talking about the way they construct movies. Mm-hmm. Go back to Scream 1, which was the parody, which is the, mm-hmm. the uber slasher movie. The mm-hmm. movie literally starts off with a murder. And mm-hmm. then there's a long stretch as they build up the tension to the next murder. Yeah. And then it starts to build up again and then again. And then and, and as, as it builds up, the buildup is getting shorter and shorter and shorter yeah. until there's an orgy of violence at the end where everything comes apart. It's a lot like the difference between Halloween and Halloween 2, where Halloween, like I said, is just big buildup. And then at the end, just what just happened and the movie's over. Halloween 2 is kill, 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 random death. And kill. we're talking about the original Halloween 2 that was released and not the one that was recently released that was basically Halloween 2. Or the Rob Zombie Halloween 2. Or the ho- or the Rob Zombie Halloween 2. <laughs> yeah, like I said, we're not the biggest horror fans here, but there's still a way that I could enjoy a horror movie. And if you want to do it, tension, I think, is very important. Yeah, it's like tension is important. And it's like that and the lack of zombies um, <laughs> will always make a horror movie better. Yeah, Randy's not a fan of zombies, in case you haven't noticed, because we haven't covered any zombie movies yet. I don't think we're going to So, no, I, I, I think there might be one kind of that I'm, I'll am i have an, a discussion with you later on because I really cannot watch it. Um, hey, I would cover Return of the Living Dead, but I know that would scare the crap out of you. No, it's not uh, scare the crap out of me. It's, I may, it may cause a psychotic episode. <laughs> so it's like it's not very good for me to watch uh, the movies because of how they freak me out, like yeah. how, how, how bad my, my phobias surrounding it are. Yeah. Um, so onto my highlight of the film is I very much thought it was the acting. I, I think it's very all yeah. very believable, and you are terrified by mm. uh, the actress. You're terrified, like Sally, the one that the main act character Sally played by. Uh, yeah. Let me let me give her some respect because she actually went on to get some bigger roles later on. Sally. Um, yeah. What's her name? I hate the ordering of the pages here. They don't have the cast in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, played by I believe Marilyn Burns. Yeah. Um, her screams are haunting, yeah. and her screams basically go on for like the last um, eight minutes of the film, ten minutes of the film. It's just yeah, her it constantly screaming as she's running away from uh, from Leatherface, mm-hmm. and then escaping the family at the end too. Yeah, it's like as she's escaping the family and Leatherface at the end. She those screams are haunting mm-hmm. from the moment she wakes up at a dinner table surrounded by a family of cannibals. She starts screaming. That's another thing the movie does well that a lot of slasher movies don't is how things still ramp up. There's only, like I said, about three villains in the movie and only one really does much for most of it. But as they happen, 
it kind of like the tension rises with each kill and it gets really more disturbing each time something happens and, and by the end when you get into the family room it's ugh. and to go back to just the family itself mm -hmm. there's one character in there that you don't realize at first as a character because we're introduced to him earlier on is oh they found a uh corpse that's been decomposing uh, upstairs oh no this is a bat two of them grandma and grandpa yep. and then they go to the dinner and it's like they're at the table and then one of them they cut her finger and they put it to its mouth and he starts drinking her blood and you're like oh my god this movie is messed up yeah it's kind of like a descent into madness almost the way everything ratchets up and everything kind of decays. there is a nightmarish quality to it it's a very well-made film for what it is like i said we're not the biggest fans of horror, and that's probably why I'll just be giving it a 3 out of 5. But I would recommend this if you do like horror movies. Yeah, and it's it's not like... This isn't a Freddy Krueger... Sorry, a Freddy... A Fred Krueger type of movie. Um, yeah. There's nothing really quotable. It's just... It's no. it's very nightmarish. It's like some of the characters are kind of It's kind of like bad. A, a snapshot of something that could have happened, basically. Yeah, and it very much looks like of its time period. And It's very 70s. I, I would, I can't, I, I'm not going to give this movie a high rating. I'm not going to give mm. it a low rating because mm -hmm. I, it's, I think it was well made for what it is. Yeah. yeah. For what it is. And it's like, I would agree with you. It's a, it's a straight up three. It's like, if you like horror movies, I think it's important that you watch this film because you'll see a lot of the things that inspired the movies that you watch nowadays, the movies you watch in the eighties. And you'll see a lot of stuff missing from them now too, I think. Yeah. So, like I said, if you're into this type of stuff, definitely give this one a go. And just to, like I said, it's like we're, mm -hmm. we're done with this for now, but let me just uh, read you out the cast and mm -hmm. just to give you, give respect to these people and to give you the, uh, yeah, just to give them respect, mm -hmm. the respect they deserve. So you had Sally Hardesty played by Marilyn Burns. Mm -hmm. So like I said, these were all little known Texas actors. Jerry, which is a basically, would you say he, he was her boyfriend or was just a driver for the van? Uh, I think he was a boy, he was a boyfriend or a potential boyfriend played by Alan Danzinger. Mm -hmm. You had Franklin, uh, who it was Sally's brother, um, mm -hmm. in a wheelchair, played by Paul A. Partain. Which actually researched some of the trivia on this before we were setting up. I have something an interesting thing to say about that one. Mm -hmm. Kirk, another one of the uh, friends, played by William Vale, and Pam, played by Terry McMinn. Yeah, and then those are your main group of teens that are getting killed, mm. and the then dude. the family. You have the hitchhiker Nubbins Sawyer, played mm -hmm. by uh, Edwin Neal. Mm -hmm. I also have an interesting little aside to say on him too. Uh, something he said. You have the proprietor, who is the owner of actually wait the proprietor Drayton Sawyer. Yeah, um, played by uh, Jim Sedow. He's the proprietor of a gas station they go to that. Where they buy meat and they can't stomach eating it, mm -hmm. which turns out it was human meat. Um, Leatherface played very well by Gunnar Hansen. Yeah, he, he and did. Grandpa Sawyer played by John Dugan, and most importantly, the narrator John Larroquette. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, they all did really well in this movie. There wasn't really anything to uh, yeah say against them. So, just a couple of like interesting stories I was reading about trivia wise on this. Um, so, Paul A. Partain and Gunnar Hansen. Gunnar Henson never when they were filming this when they were filming this him and Partain could not get along he didn't understand it he was mm -hmm. a nice guy everything like that he couldn't understand it and then it wasn't until years later that when they met again at like a conference or something like that for yeah. for her movies that he realized that, that he Partain explained to him it's like oh, I'm sorry man it's like sorry for being a dick I stay in character I'm a, I'm a method actor so I stay in character for the entire shoot oh 
So mm-hmm. I apologize, and it's like, and apparently they became really good friends until Partain's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other, the other one is um, Edwin Neal was a Vietnam vet, mm-hmm. and he said that this is the the filming this the filming of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre was the worst experience that he ever had in his life. Yikes. And that if he ever met Toby Hooper, he would kill him again. Like, because it's like it was that miserable on set. Mm-hmm. Because they had to shoot the film fast. They shot it in four weeks. Yeah. Because they had a limited budget. Um, and I'm sure it was really hot and uh, miserable out there too in the weather. And yeah. And then the last little bit of uh, trivia goes to the whole thing with Grandpa Sawyer. Apparently yeah. they shot that whole sequence in the slaughterhouse at the end. Like the... When they had Grandpa Sawyer on there, in one, like in 36 hours, because after he got the makeup on, he told them straight up, look, we're in a heat wave, it's 100 degrees outside, who knows how long this is going on, I want this done, I'm not getting back in this makeup again after we do this. (laughs) So he made everybody miserable, and they did it in 36 hours. And there's a reason why... Canon would eventually go on to buy the franchise rights to this thing, Mm -hmm. and then eventually sell them off the new line after one movie. The budget for this film, not adjusted for inflation, was between eighty thousand to one hundred and forty thousand. So adjusted for inflation, they, like on the upwards end, that's that's seven hundred thousand dollars. And it's box office. Would you hazard a guess? I would say a couple million. Do you want to go higher? No, because I don't know what it was in nineteen seventies money. Well, in nineteen seventies money, in nineteen seventy four, the Texas mm. Chainsaw Massacre's complete box office. Yeah. Was thirty. Point nine million dollars on a maximum budget of a hundred and forty thousand dollars. Now that's profit. I guess you can see why he eventually got stuff like Poltergeist, huh? Exactly. And yeah, that's really all I can say. It's like you gave it a three, yeah. and I gave it a three. Yeah, and we're going to be continuing this because no real, no real mystery here. The next movie is Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two, which Canon did. Produce. It's like I feel like we may we may have too much Toby Hooper in one short period of time for us. <laughs> we might, but uh, yeah. With that, um, we'll see you next time, everybody. Yeah, tune in next week for another exciting edition of um, the Hooper Cast. Obviously, hanging with Mister Hooper. Okay, everybody. Goodbye. Just as terrifying as being there. Even if one of them survives. What will be left? The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it.